and not try to force anything. Those songs that I had tonight, they will keep. They won't spoil between now and next Wednesday night, I promise you. And so I'll sing them then. Um, Luke, Luke chapter 1, though. Luke chapter 1. We've been in Luke chapter 2 for the last couple of weeks. Uh, we'll do a prayer request and announcements toward the end of our service. Got my prayer request and all right here, my prayer list. I've got a few announcements to make. But let's just jump right into the scripture tonight. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Man, right there, that would have just been a big amen right at the end of that. If there was just... Verse 34 says, Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One is to be born, will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let us pray tonight. Lord Jesus, uh, thank you, Lord, for your word. And thank you, God, for the encouragement we find in it. And God, for just who you are, Lord, how you show up in our lives and we need you to show up. And God, you're always there. Uh, you're always present, Lord. You never leave us. But there are times, Lord, when it just seems that you show up more than others. And, and I know we're probably just at a place where, God, we, we're maybe we're looking for you a lot harder. But God, I'm thankful today, Lord, how we saw you work and how we saw you show up. We praise you uh, for just being an awesome God. And Lord, tonight we pray for the reading of your word here in this passage in the Gospel of Luke and how the angel appeared to Mary. Lord, may we, may we draw strength tonight from your word. And God, as we always pray, Lord, I pray that your word would, would convict our hearts and our lives and change us to be the people you would have us to be. God, if we read it tonight, we talk about it, and we don't apply it, Lord, we've done nothing. So, Lord, tonight I pray that you will have your way in our heart and lives, and, God, we would be vessels empty vessels, Lord, that you'd be willing just to fill up with your spirit to be used uh, however you see fit. God, we pray this tonight, Lord, that we would look at the life of Mary and God be as willing to be used as she was. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, tonight, the title of our sermon will be Mary's Role in the Birth of Jesus. Mary's Role in the Birth of Jesus. Now, next Wednesday, we'll look at Joseph's role in the birth of Jesus. And, and so, as we as we get ready to jump off in these verses that we just read here, we're always talking in church 
about being used by God and, and how there's no greater honor and what an awesome privilege it is to be used in uh, whatever capacity it may be. To be used by God is, is never something to minimize. I've always said, uh, of course, we don't, we don't do this so much in church anymore, but uh, when, where I grew up at church, this used to, something used to take place a lot. And so I often use this as an example, but in the church that I grew up as a kid, the way, you know, nowadays we do bottled water or a cup of water, but, uh, but there used to be a guy in the church, and I can't even remember what his name was right now, but his job every Sunday, I, I say it was his job, he did it. Nobody may not have even asked him to do it, but he did it faithfully. But every Sunday he would bring a glass of water and set it on the podium for the pastor. Uh, Brother Julian was the pastor where I grew up at. I don't remember the guy's name. He'd done the water. But I often said, you know, if your job was nothing more than bringing the cup of water to sit on the podium there for the pastor, do it with all of your heart, you know, because there's no such thing as a, as a small job or a big job in the service for the Lord. If you're doing it for the Lord, uh, God can bless that, and you should do it with all your heart. So, um, but the fact that God doesn't need us, but he wants to use us, as we say so many times, that's a very overwhelming thought tonight. And and I believe with Mary and Joseph, they were no different. They were just men and women, just like we are. And God used them, or God chose them, I should say, to be the earthly mom and dad, to raise up baby Jesus. And he entrusted them with that duty. Uh, what a great responsibility. And so as we get ready to, to jump off in this passage here, and as we look here at Mary, we have three quick points. And so which will probably take us right to 7.30. So I've learned, I'm just going to stop saying quick with you guys. I'm going to stop saying that it's going to be short. I was, I was scolded Sunday night when I got through, not scolded, but picked on maybe, and somebody said, that wasn't short. And uh, I said, it wasn't, I wasn't there about 15 minutes, was it? And they said, you were up to 30 minutes. And then my wife comes to my rescue, sort of. <laughs> well, compared to normal, it was short, you know, like, she said, normally it's 45 minutes. Uh, anyway, so it'll, it will probably take the whole time, but maybe you'll enjoy it as much as I do. But the first point is this. I want you to notice how God fulfilled his prophecy. And, and these are just pretty generic points. I got three of them, but we'll see God fulfilled his prophecy. There's nothing fancy about these, um, about these points. Sometimes, you know, I try to use words that start with the same letters. And maybe, maybe I did this time. I really wasn't paying attention. If I did, it was luck. But God fulfilled his prophecy. And we'll see this in verse 30 through 33. In verse 30 it says this, Then the angel said to her, her being Mary, Do not be afraid. It says, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now, this is not what point number one is about, but I read verse 30 again because I, I think it's something there for us to look at. I think there's some noteworthy stuff there. We'll get into, as we go through verse 32 and 33, we'll see a little more of point number one about how God fulfilled his prophecy. But notice here in verse 30, after the angel told Mary not to be afraid, he says here, for you have found favor with God. Now, I like that, okay? So we just want to take and just look at it for just for a second. Um, when he says favor there, it's, it's an awesome statement and, and it's a really cool concept, but really what favor means is it's really defined there as grace, okay? Um, it's basically Mary had grace bestowed upon her so when the bible says for you have found favor with god really what's going on is god is bestowing uh, favor or is bestowing grace upon her so that she could be a part of what he was doing now 
if you was to flip, and I won't, I didn't put this in my reference scripture because it's not really, uh, I'm not reading you the whole verse, but if you were to go back into Genesis 6, chapter 6, verse 8, and I just pulled a little snippet out of it, it says this, it says, but Noah, this is when God is dealing with Noah about building the ark, it says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, here it says, for you have found favor with God. Those words are kind of interchangeable there. So when Mary found favor in the eyes of God, it's kind of the equivalent of when God told Noah that you found grace in, the, in my eyes. And so, again, we define grace. And if you've been here in the last six months, you've heard me say this numerous times. It's unmerited favor. That's what grace is, unmerited favor, meaning you, you, when, we, when we have grace bestowed upon us, and if we're saved, we have, okay? If we're saved, we've, we've experienced grace. And grace is, is where it's favor that's been, um, that we've, it's been bestowed upon us in such a way that we didn't do anything to earn it. We, we can't earn grace. God just, God just looks down upon us and says, you know what? In the mess that you are, I'm going to use you. Uh, when you come to me and you cry out to me and you ask me to save you, I will. And we don't deserve any of that. We didn't deserve to be saved. We don't deserve to be used by God. But God shows us favor and lets us be a part of what he's doing. And that's, that's what's going on here in Mary's, Mary's life, is that she had favor or grace bestowed upon her. It's unmerited, means she didn't deserve it. Now, here's what I want you to note, though. And, and, I, and I made this little note at the top of my notes because I think this is so true today. I think it was true of Mary's life, and I, I think it's true of our life. And oftentimes when I read Scripture, I try to take what I'm reading and try to put it in my, my own life and, and see how it lines up. And then I try to do the same for you guys. But finding favor or being chosen by God, to be, to be used by God, does not mean, and I think this is a mistake that we mean, I make, that it does not mean that it's going to be easy. How many times do we think sometimes, well, well I found favor in God's eyes. Well, okay, it's going to be, it's going to be uh, smooth sailing. And I know we probably won't come right out and say that, but anytime God speaks into our heart and lives and says, hey, I want to use you, we're like, being used by God, oh yeah. And then we get out and start following God and go, God, this is hard. Well, God never said it would be easy, you know? And I think we, we mistake God's grace with easiness. Like, well, if God's in it, it's got to be easy. But we read all through the Bible, you find nowhere in Scripture where anybody that stepped out to follow God had an easy road. Uh, easy road. It was, not, it was not easy at all. It was hard. And Mary was no different because here's what we see. We see Mary being blessed to be used by God but she more than likely experienced a lot of ridicule. Because listen, she's, she's going to be expecting here just a little bit, okay? Scripture's telling us here what's about to happen. And we're going to look next Wednesday in more detail on this. But when the Bible told us right here that she was betrothed to, to Joseph, well, technically they weren't married yet. But to be betrothed was to be considered as good as married, even though they weren't married yet and they were not living in the same house, they were not knowing each other in an intimate way, but by, by their law, to be betrothed means that you're as good as married. And then to come up pregnant, okay, well, you know that there was talk. Matter of fact, if we'll read about Joseph next, we, we'll see that Joseph wrestled with what to do with her because he's going, oh, you know, she's, she's been unfaithful to me. And we know that as we're going to look next week that that wasn't true at all. But Mary, she probably suffered ridicule. She probably suffered shame. And all of that probably brought on stress. 
her son, listen, even though he was the son of God, and we know what his purpose was to be born, but because God had entrusted Jesus, baby Jesus, to Mary and Joseph, she raised him like her son. In other words, she loved him. Moms, y'all understand that. You know, moms are way different than dads. Dads, you know, my kids could run into a tree and I'll pick them up and brush them off and go, suck it up, it's all right, let's go. You know, mom's going to love on them differently because that's what moms do. Moms and dads are different. And so Mary, listen, Mary would watch her son be crucified, be murdered, be beaten. She would basically have a front row seat to all of this. So from start to finish, Mary didn't have an easy life, but yet she was chosen by God to be used. And so, uh, I like what John Phillips says here in the quote. He says this about the Christmas story. He said, the whole story of the coming into the world of the Son of God is of grace from beginning to end. And that's what we're talking about right here. This woman is God's grace. God done something that, uh, that we didn't deserve, and that's he gave us a Savior. Notice what verse 31 tells us here in Scripture. He, and he's telling Mary, he says, and behold... You will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Now, the Old Testament prophesied about this birth. It, it, you look back in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Scripture tells us, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin. That's what it says in Isaiah. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, what's really awesome about this is I, I added that in my notes tonight because you may say, well, Brother Vance, what does that have to do with anything? Well, here's the cool part, okay? From the moment right here that the angel shows up and talks to Mary, from the time that Isaiah wrote what he wrote, 700 years had, happened, had transpired. 700 years. That's a long time. 700 years earlier, Isaiah had wrote the prophecy had prophesied that they would be, uh, uh, the Savior would be born to a virgin. And here now we got the angel showing up, and he's telling Mary that, okay, here's what's about to happen, and you're the chosen vessel. God's going to use you to bring his son into the world. Now, you say, well, what is significant about that? Here's what I think significant about that. And I say this all the time. You'll probably get tired of hearing me say it. God is a God of his word. God is a God of his word. Because I, I have people all the time going, Brother Vance, what is so, what's the big deal about prophecy? Prophecy simply shows us that what God said he was going to do, he did it. That's what prophecy is for. It it's can be verified. It, it, you can look back and go, he said it, he did it. He said it, he did it. I mean, we can keep doing that all the way through the Bible. And then what, and you say, well, does that matter to us? Yes, because there's a prophecy still yet to be fulfilled. And we're going to read about that one in just a second, or just in just a couple of pages of my notes here. But there's a prophecy yet to be fulfilled, and that's the return of Christ, the second coming of Christ, uh, the millennial reign. And we can go right on down through the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel. And because he fulfilled all the other prophecies, we know he'll fulfill that prophecy too. That's, what's, that's what prophecy. In other words, if he said it and he did it and he said it and he did it, then when he said it, he's going to do that too. Uh, and so he's a God of his word. That's, what, that's, that's why that's good. Now, uh, notice here, verse 32, it says this. It says, he, and this is, this is kind of where our point number one is coming in out here. God's fulfilled his prophecy. Verse 32 says, he will 
be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Verse 33 says, And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now let's break that down here just a little bit. Okay? We, we see the first three or four statements here in verse 31. We're going to break it down a little bit. I'm going to back up one verse. When, he, when she says, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. That was prophesied. We just talked about that in Isaiah. And then in verse 31 it says, and she'll call his name Jesus. Okay? Prophecy was about to be fulfilled there. Uh, verse 32, the first part of it, what I would call 32a, uh, it says, he will be great. And then in the same part, 32a, it says, and he will be called the son of the highest. Okay, so we've got that. That right here is, is, is about to transpire, and we know today in 2020 that that's already happened, okay? But now notice the next three statements coming up here that we just read in 32 and 33. It says, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Now, these have to do with the second coming of Christ, okay? These haven't happened yet, these statements. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David. That was in the latter half of verse 32, what I would call 32b. And then in verse 33 it says, And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. That hasn't happened yet, but it's coming. And so that's exciting because we look at the first part of what we read in verse 31 and 32, and we see that that was prophesied and it happened. Now we're anticipating the latter part of verse 32 and 33 about how he will sit on the throne of David and how he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. That's good stuff. Absolutely good stuff. And again, the three statements that I just said, they haven't happened yet, but because the other ones have, then we know those will too. Now, to be all in all seriousness here, that ought to change how we live, hadn't it? That ought to change how we live. If, in other words, if I can look back through God's word and see all the prophecies that he fulfilled, then I know he's going to fulfill those last ones, and I know it could happen at any moment. That's the thing. And even, even like, you know, when these, we know it was 700 years that transpired between Isaiah's writing and Mary giving birth. But these guys, those people looking for the, that, that knew the prophecy and was looking for the Messiah, they didn't know it was going to be 700 years. They, they were looking for it at any moment, I'm sure. And we look sometimes and we go, gosh, 700 years is a long time. But it happened. And we look at our lives today and I hear people say sometimes, man, it's been 2,000 years since Jesus Christ died on the cross and resurrected from the grave and went back to heaven. 2,000 years. Do you really think we'll see Christ in my lifetime? And to that answer, or that question, I always give the answer, we are 2,000 years closer than we were when it all started. And so, do I believe it could be at any moment? I do. I really, really do. I believe the stage has been set. I'm no prophet. It might be another 100 years. I don't know when it's going to be. But if I don't see Jesus standing in the clouds in my lifetime, I will be shocked. Okay? And, but I'm okay with however he chooses to do it, because whether he comes back to get me in the rapture through death, I'm still going to see him. But, if it doesn't happen in my lifetime, I will be shocked because I believe we are setting the stage uh, for Christ to come back. Point number two. Point number two. Mary, now y'all may, um, may not like my wording on the next two points, but they're not bad. You may just question my wording, but to me it made sense, okay? 
of Mary, first off, Mary questioned the pregnancy, and I believe she did question it. Look here in verse 34. It says, then Mary said to the angel, of course, we know there is a question there because the question mark, but I believe she was questioning, and I have people say it all the time, Brother Vance, is it right to question God? I, I think it's okay. I really do. I have people tell me sometimes, oh, we should never question God. Um, I think God knows how imperfect and human we are, and, uh, and we're, we're people full of questions. We're like three-year-olds sometimes with God. Why? 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 You know what I'm saying? Or a four-year-old. And I think it's okay to question God. Mary, she, she said to the angel, how can this be? since I do not know a man. And Gabriel was explaining to Mary that she would become pregnant with a child, but it would be of the Holy Spirit. He was explaining that to her, but she was just simply saying to, to the angel here, he said, look, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not technically married yet. I, I don't, I've never been with a man. How am I going to get pregnant? And we can assume from what we read here in this statement, how can this be, since I do not know a man, we can assume that Mary assumed that it was going to happen before she got married to Joseph. I mean, because he'd already explained to her, it's going to be of God. It's not going to be of you and Joseph. And, and it couldn't be of, of Mary and Joseph. Why? Because if, it had been, if, if the child, if Jesus had been born of man, it would have been born with a sin nature. Because everybody that's born is born with a sin nature. Jesus was a virgin birth, which means he was not born with a sin nature. He was born of God, not of man. And so that made him the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And I know there's a lot of people that says, I don't know, of course, it's just skeptics. And they'll say, well, I don't know if I believe you know, how that's even possible. But uh, to that, I always go back uh, to verse 37, where the angel told Mary, for with God, nothing will be impossible, you know. Uh, if God can do all the things that he's done, I have no problem believing that Mary, as a virgin, could give birth to the baby Jesus. I have no, I have no problem with that. I, I have bigger things that I can't figure out than that one, okay? So, but God, with him, all things are possible. So we see here that Mary did question the angel here. And she was trying to figure out how this was going to happen. I don't think she was wrong in her questioning. Um, I believe her questions were actually rooted in faith. She was trying to just trying to wrap her mind around how this was going to happen. I know sometimes when God comes to me and he says, Vance, I, I want to do this in your life. Most times I have questions. I'll say, God, how is that even possible? I, I don't have the resources for that. How am I going to pull that off? I'm just me, you know. And I, I'm sure I'm, I'm a lot like Moses. I've always got an excuse as to why I can't be used by God. And God always has to go through the whole story with me. Vance, look, okay, I can, I can always I can do whatever I want to but we oftentimes have questions because here's the deal anytime God does anything in my life and I believe Mary had questions because of how God was about to use her it seemed quite difficult to her put yourself in Mary's shoes would that have seemed difficult to you some of you is just looking at me yeah well for you men especially okay but for you women it would have seemed difficult too right but it's saying, there's not anything that God does in my life that doesn't seem difficult. But that's how God works. He's always doing things that's beyond our capabilities. Why? Because when he does that, then we have no choice but to trust him. If we could do it, then we would do it without him and say, God, I, you know, look what I did. But God always leads us to do things that's beyond us so that he gets the glory. God was just simply asking Mary to trust him. And I believe that's what God's asking us to do tonight. 
God might be working in our lives right now to, uh, to do something pretty miraculous. And we have to be willing just to trust him to do whatever he says. Even if we don't understand it, just trust him. Even if it doesn't make sense, just trust him. Now notice point number three. Mary gives her permission. Now this is the point you may not agree with my wording. Um, you say, well, that was mighty, mighty big of her to give God permission, you know, to, to do what he was going to do. Here's what I meant by the word permission, and this, is, and this is what I mean by this. See, I think sometimes if we're not careful, we exalt Mary to a place that she doesn't deserve to be in. She's just a human being, okay? She's not deserving to be worshipped. I know there, there are religions out there that worship her. She's not to be worshipped, okay? If you worship Mary, then you're making an idol out of Mary, okay? That's idolatry. You worship God. You don't worship somebody. And I believe Mary had a choice to be used by God, just like anybody else did. Mary could have said no. Now, here, here's, here's where it gets good, okay? You say, well, you think Mary would have said no? If, listen, if, you know, this is going to hurt your brain, okay? Because God is God, he knew the decision that Mary would make. Now, to some of y'all, y'all may argue and go, well, that means Mary didn't have a decision. Oh, she had a decision to make. Um, and that's a, whole, that's, a whole, that's a whole big discussion there, okay? I, we could get into something that takes for three hours here. But because there are people that says, well, God didn't give her a choice. I believe she had a choice to make, but God knew that she would make the choice that she would make. It's like salvation. There are people that believe, and if you believe this way, that's okay. I, I just, I don't, I, I don't believe this way. I believe everybody has a free will to choose right or wrong. I believe God has left it up to individuals to choose to be saved or not to be saved. Now, God knows who's going to choose him and who's not going to choose him. And to some, they would argue, well, then they didn't ever have a choice to start with. If God knows their choice, then they didn't have a choice. Well, that's not true. It's just simply because God is God. He knows the choices that you will make. Is your head hurting yet? Okay, because, see, that's how it works. Because, see, Paul even writes over, and I think it's in Romans, and he says, because, because here's the argument. There are some people that says, well, because God is, if God knew the, the decision you were going to make, well, then, therefore, he chose certain ones to be saved and certain ones he didn't choose. I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. Paul says in Romans that based on the foreknowledge of God, the foreknowledge means he knows the decisions you're going to make before you ever make them. If he didn't know, he wouldn't be God. Are you with me? Everybody has a choice to make. But if God's already in eternity future, then he already knows who's going to choose him and who's going to be there and who's not. If he doesn't know, he's not God. So he already knew. But at the same time, Mary still had a choice to make. He's just kind of like, but anyway. She still had a choice to make. She could have said, hey, you know, um, God, I don't think so. I, I don't want to be used. I don't want to be used in that way, God. No thing. Then God would, have, God would have chose somebody else. Mary is just a lady like any other lady. But she had the awesome opportunity to be used to bring baby Jesus into the world. But now let me say this. For God to look down upon her and choose her, she must have been a pretty exceptional lady. Okay, I'm not minimizing that at all. She had to be a pretty exceptional lady. God obviously found her to be a very, just like he looked at Noah and found him to be righteous and asked him to build the ark. Just like he, uh, you know, but God uses imperfect people. But, but Mary, I'm not minimizing who she is. I'm just saying we can't put her, we can't exalt her to a place of worship. But here's what I want us to get here. It says, 
And then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. She said this, Let it be to me according to your word. Now that's, that's a good statement. Because here's what Mary did. Mary says, I don't understand. I don't, I don't understand how this is going to happen. How is God going to do this? Even though she had questions, she looked at the angel and she said, Let it be according to your word. Man, listen, that's what God wants from us today. If, if, if God shows up tonight and says, Hey, David, I want to do this in your life. David may have a few questions. And say, God, I don't understand how you're going to do that. that. I don't have those capabilities. And you want to use me how? He may sit there and wrestle with it for a little while. He may wrestle with it for two months. He shouldn't wrestle with it that long, but he probably will because that's what I would do. I would wrestle with it that long too. But at the end of it, here's what David should say. He should look and say, but God, let it be as you have said. If that's what you want to do, God, then I'm here. Use me. That's what God is asking from all of us is that, God, whatever you've spoken to my heart, let it be according to your word, however you want to do it. But now, how many times is that not what we say? Has anybody ever said this word? God, you got the wrong guy. God, I am not the lady you're looking for, I promise you. Nobody's ever said that but me. I'm the horrible person in the church then because I have said it so many times in my life. I told you how long I run from God on the preaching thing. And, and, and just, I mean, there's a lot of things that God has done in my life or has spoken into my heart about doing. And I'm like, God, got the wrong guy. I'm not your guy, God. I'm not, I'm not him. But you know what? God is a persistent, loving God. He never gives up on us, even when we don't want to be used. Because often the way God wants to use us, as I said before, it's never easy. God often uses us in ways. You look at the Apostle Paul. I would be willing to say that after, uh, after Paul got up off the road to Damascus and he was led into the city and Ananias came and prayed with him and he restored his sight, Paul probably got up and God probably began to speak in his heart and life. After he associated himself with the disciples, I imagine he was a little bit excited at the possibilities of what God was about to do in his life. Man, I bet he was pumped. But Paul didn't have an easy life. Paul was beaten, stoned, and left for dead, beaten multiple times. They, the history books have recorded that probably more than likely Paul's back, if you had a, pulled his robe down and looked at his back, it would have had scar tissue all over it for the number of times that he had been beaten for the sake of Christ. He had been shipwrecked. And again, I, this is not in the Bible. This is just what history records, okay? And sometimes history gets twisted, so I don't know if there's any truth in it or not. So don't quote me on this. But Christian history books that I have read has said that when Paul... When the, when the day he was executed, he was beheaded for the faith of Christ, that he was locked up in prison for preaching the gospel. It was said in the history book that I read that the day that they unlocked Paul out of his prison cell to take him to the chopping block, it is recorded that he ran to the chopping block and fell on his knees and embraced it because he was ready to see Christ, because his life had been hard. God never promised him it'd be easy. But when God, listen, whatever God's leading us to do tonight, God never, ever said it would be easy. I'm going to tell y'all something that I don't know if I should tell y'all or not, and I'm going to close with this thought. Um, it's kind of embarrassing, really. But since I've been in the ministry, you know what I struggle with a lot? I never struggle with it a day in my life until I became a pastor. And I struggle with it a lot now. And the older I get, the more it seems to be uh, a reoccurring thing on a, on a pretty regular basis, probably two or three times a month, and that is depression, anxiety, 
and um, just being down in the dumps. I struggled with that a lot. I never struggled with that a day in my life until I became a pastor. And, 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 and I don't even know why I struggle with that, but I do. I have days when I can't hardly, I mean, I just, I, I'm just discouraged. But I know what it is. I know what it is. Anytime you step out to follow the Lord, you're going to do in, you're going to do battle with the enemy, and that's one of the biggest tools that the enemy uses in my life is discouragement. And he will discourage me. And so, many, and, but the thing is, I have days when I can't even hardly pray. I'm so I'm so down, and I know it's not God because God doesn't do those things. But on my days when I pray, I'm, I just have to pray, God. I'm so discouraged right now. I could quit easily. Why? Because I'm tired of feeling discouraged. That's the only reason I quit. I'm just tired of the feeling of discouragement. But God always reminds me, Vance, I never promised you it'd be easy. Never. And that's one of the struggles. Matter of fact, I was so encouraged a few years ago in the process of getting my degree when I was reading, and I read this about Charles Spurgeon, and it so encouraged me because being discouraged and depressed is something you don't talk to people about. Why? Because they look at you like you're, like you're weak or something. So I kept that to myself for years. And I finally told Connie one day, I said, I'm so down. And she goes, why? I said, I have been down for years. I just haven't said anything to you about it. And she says, why are you down? I said, well, it's just, it's just the pressure and, 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 the, and the trying to figure out how to make this work, preparing for sermons, worrying about people, praying for people. I mean, it's just, you just get discouraged. But Charles Spurgeon, when I read this several years ago, it said that Charles Spurgeon, and we know who Charles Spurgeon was. He was a great, great man of God, a great pastor. And it said that he would have to pull himself away from everything for two to three weeks at a time throughout his ministry career. Ever so often, he'd have to isolate himself. Why? He battled depression. And I thought, I'm not the only one. <laughs> it was encouraging to read that Charles Spurgeon struggles with the same thing. So what I'm saying is, Everybody has their own struggles. Anytime you walk with the Lord, we think that when we step out to follow God, it's just going to be, man, like, you know, the balloons are just going to go off. You're going to walk on rose petals, you know, it's just, and, and it's just going to be fireworks and, and parades and people are going to be patting you on the back. Not true. Not true at all. Sometimes following the Lord is one of the most lonely things you'll ever do. I imagine when Mary and Joseph laughed, they probably had many, many days when they probably sat and talked with each other, knowing what God was doing, but knowing all the stares that they were getting too. All the stares, all the gossip, all the things that they were hearing. And they probably just wanted to run away. And I can just hear Joseph and Mary talking going, look, we know what God said. Stay the course. We're going to stay the course. And listen, anything God does in our life is not going to be easy. And I've had days when mine has, been, has not been good at all. Can I tell you, today was one of those days. Um, it, it was, um, it was, I was that way a little bit yesterday. And some of us just tired. You get tired. You get discouraged. You get down. And I got up this morning. I couldn't hardly drag. I just couldn't hardly drag. I, I just felt whipped. I didn't feel like reading my Bible. I didn't feel like coming to the church. I didn't feel like praying. And can I tell you how it changed? I went and sat down at the piano. The songs I was going to sing tonight was the ones today. I sat down, and I just started playing. And I just started singing, and I started praying, kind of, at this, you know, in the midst of all that. And as I began to pray, and I began to sing, and I began to seek God, and just asking God to show up and to strengthen me, He did. And in the middle of all that, that cloud just kind of floated away. And in that one moment where I didn't feel like getting up and doing anything, all of a sudden, I, I just, it's like God showed up and said, hey, you know, just keep putting one foot in front of the other. So here's what I want to tell you.
If you're following the Lord in your life, it's not going to be easy. If you're expecting it to be easy, it's not. And if you think you're the only one struggling, you're not. Everybody's struggling in some form or fashion. Matter of fact, that's why I say in church that it's good to be real and tell people you're struggling. Because you know why? There are people sitting in the congregation sometimes that needs to know somebody else is struggling, that you're not the only one. But sometimes when you're struggling, you feel like you're isolated on an island all by yourself. Everybody else is perfect Christians. They got it all figured out. They don't have the problems I got. Oh, we do. We got the same problems you got. And so we're in this together. And so what do you do? You put your head down. You keep pushing forward. You keep praying. You keep seeking God. You keep studying your Bible. It's not going to be easy. But as God re reminds me all the time, Vance, it is definitely going to be worth it. It is going to be worth it. See, one day this life will be over. And then we'll stand in the presence of God. And then all those troubles, all those trials, all those heartaches, all those burdens, all those moments of depression or struggles or whatever it is that you're battling, they will be gone forever. Forever. And, you know, I, I wrote a song a long time ago. I wasn't even going to share this, but I thought about it. I wrote a song a long I, I do that. It's something I, I play with. I won't ever sing them for y'all, but I write songs sometimes. But it's, and they're not good. But they're things that God gives me. Okay, they're not. I'm, I'm realistic, okay? They're just things God gives me, okay? But I was standing in a hospital room one day, and I was standing next to an older gentleman who happened to be a deacon in the church that I was pastoring. And... Um, I went by and visited him a couple of days earlier, and he seemed like everything was going to be okay. And then I got a call saying that he was not doing okay. And so I came back. I went back by the hospital about two days later. And, uh, and I was standing there, and he was sleeping, kind of in a medicated sleep. And the nurse came in, and I, I asked her, I said, can, can I, could I wake him up? And, and she goes, he probably isn't going to wake up. I said, oh. Okay. She goes, we got him pretty sedated. And she said, uh, it's really just a matter of time. And she says, we've called the family and they'll be in later. I said, okay. And I stood there in that hospital room and, and I listened to the monitors beep, you know, and I, I saw him laying there. And, and, and this guy had been, he had been such a, an encouragement to me, always smiling. You know, like I say, he's a deacon and deacons meet never a hard word, never a cross word about anybody. Just... You know, he's always that guy that was seeing the glass half full, not half empty. He was just that kind of guy. And as I was standing there by his hospital bed and I was looking at him, and, uh, and I just began these words, and I'm not going to tell you what the words are, but the words just started rolling through my head for this song. And, and I was just looking at him and I was thinking, God, it won't be long and he'll be in your presence. It won't be long at all. And the Bible tells us that one of the, one of the ministries of angels is to escort the saints home. That's one of, their, one of their duties. And as I stood there, and the nurse had just said it won't be long, I mean, because I was in a room all by myself except for this, this man, and, uh, and I just started thinking, I wonder if there's any angels in here, you know? I wonder if there's any angels in the room with me right now. I mean, I wouldn't be able to see them if they were there, but we know that's one of their jobs, is that's what they do. They come and they escort the saints home, which is an encouraging thought for a Christian. But as I stood there and I thought, God, it won't be long. And he'll, he'll lay all of this down, all the heartaches, all the burdens, all the, all the sickness that he had dealt with for so long. He's about to lay it down. We're just moments. And it happened to be that it went about two more hours. And he went, to, he went home to be with the Lord. And I thought, Lord, what did he see? What's the first thing that he saw? What was the first thing that he laid his eyes on? 
I don't know, I don't know what it's going to be like, but there's part of me that just wants to think Jesus greets us. I don't know if that's true or not. I would like to think that, you know, again, I don't know how heaven works because I think in, in earthly terms and heaven is not an earthly place. And so, but the thought is, what did, did Jesus, was he standing with arms open wide? You know, come on. And hugs him and says, it's over. You don't have to struggle anymore. The fight's over. Come on in. And that was, that's, that was uh, and I'll close with that thought, that's kind of how we need to look at life. Life is tough. Ministry is even tougher. Walking with the Lord, if you're doing it the way God wants you to do, it's hard. It's a struggle. And there are days when you want to quit. There are days when you want to give up. Discouragement follows you. Uh, there, there are things, you know, people frustrate you. It's all of the above. But yet one day, I believe it's going to be worth it. I believe when we walk through those gates and Jesus says, come here. Welcome home. You know, don't worry about all that stuff. It's gone. It's not coming back. You made it. And that's what keeps us pushing forward. That's what keeps us striving in ministries because we know that one day it will be worth it. Uh, tonight, I have a couple of quick announcements to make, and then we'll go to our prayer requests in a hurry. If I can remember the announcements, I may have to look at my calendar to remember them. Just want to remind everyone that uh, on the 20th, which is not this upcoming Sunday, but the following Sunday, uh, just to remind y'all, this is the Sunday before Christmas. We will be having church that morning. We'll be having the Lord's Supper that Sunday morning. But also that evening is when we'll do the Christmas caroling. Uh, we'll go out and Christmas carol. What time did we set to be here to do that? Five. So we're going out at five o'clock to Christmas carol. And then we're going to come back here afterwards, and we're going to have food here in fellowship. So put that on your calendars. You do not want to miss that. And um, I got something else, but I'm going to save that one for Sunday so that I, if I do it now, y'all won't remember it. Any other announcement that I need to make? I got that right the first time. No? Thank you. I couldn't hear you. So bring food for the food pantry this Sunday. Okay. So stuffing, things of that nature to go with a, a to go with a Christmas meal. Want to bring that Sunday? Is that what we're shooting for? Okay. But you will take it up till. Okay, you'll take it up till the twenty third. Okay. All right. Any other announcement? All right, in the way of prayer requests tonight, we're going to miss, uh, Claudia came to me earlier. There are people at home, like just then I couldn't hardly hear Miss Brandell. There are people at home. When I can, if you say a name, I try to repeat it so the people at home can hear the name. But sometimes if I ask you three times what the name is and I still don't understand what you're saying, I hate to ask you a fourth time. So if you will speak loudly tonight so I can hear you and then I will repeat the name out loud so you guys can hear what's being said by the person. And if that don't work, then we're going to have to get Ron to get a microphone and follow you around so that we can hear you. But it's hard to hear in here. And I'll tell you how we can eliminate all that. Y'all want to know? No? 
Everybody can move to the front. I mean, honestly, I'm going to take out the first three rows and just slide everything else forward. And then you, you're just going to have to sit up front because all these rows are going to be gone. So I'm picking on you. That's, we, 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 I was at a church one time. I'll share this with you quick, real quick. Like, big church. I mean, it's a big church. A lot of pews in there. And, and on Wednesday night,